It's not that, uh, you know, there's people certainly we can trust, and, uh, you know, there's folks that I, I know if they promised me uh, they would do something that uh, within their power, I know that they would do it. But at the end of the day, we're all human beings. I don't know about you, but uh, there's been a lot of things in my life I've intended to do, uh, but couldn't do. And uh, But that'll never happen with God, amen? And uh, he'll never be held up. Uh, there'll never be anything that'll keep him from doing what he needs to do for us. And uh, so we praise the Lord for that. All right, so uh, tonight we're looking at the little horn of Daniel chapter 8. And um, we're going to, uh, I'm going to have you turn to a few different places and kind of hold your places because we're going to be flipping back and forth between the book of Daniel, the book of Second Thessalonians, uh, and the book of Revelations uh, chapter 13. So uh, Daniel chapter 8, and then just find you a little bookmark or stick your finger in there, Second Second Thessalonians around chapter 2, and then uh, Revelations chapter 13. So I'll give you a second to find all that and get all that situated because we're going to be jumping back and forth between those texts as we make some uh, comparisons. Uh, we talked last week about uh, the little horn of Daniel chapter 8, not to be confused with the little horn in Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel chapter 8, we have a, uh, a reference to who we know now to be Antigus Epiphanes. That is in chapter 8. And in Daniel chapter 7, we talked about the little horn who was the Antichrist uh, that we read about uh, not only in the book of Second Thessalonians, but also in the book uh, of Revelations as well. But we are going to be making some comparisons to try to help us to understand a little bit better uh, about uh, the Antichrist uh, himself. And so some interesting things, especially if you kind of like a little history, uh, but uh, also tying these things in the, with the Word of God. So if you got all that figured out, go ahead and stand with me, if you will, in reverence and respect uh, to the Word of God. If you're physically able, Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8. And we're going to start with verse 9, read down to verse 14, and we're going to kind of skip some passages, and, and we'll fill in the, the gap as we go. Uh, but to Revelations chapter 8, uh, beginning uh, with verse 9, it says, And out of one of them came forth a little horn. You know what? Let, let's back up and read verse uh, 8 because it, it might confuse you. We, we ended with verse 8 last week. Uh, but uh, it says, Therefore uh, the he-goat waxed very great, uh, and uh, when he was strong, a great horn was broken. We know this he-goat represents the Grecian Empire. That horn represents Alexander the Great. The horn was broken. We talked about this last week, uh, and that tells speaks of the time when Alexander the Great died, uh, and then and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. We know that history tells us that when Alexander died, four of his generals, one of which was Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, would rise to power. So that kind of sets the context here. And out of one of them came forth a little horn. So now we're talking about Antiochus Epiphanes. He is the little horn of Daniel chapter 8, which waxed exceeding great toward the south, toward the east, and toward the pleasant land. Uh, And it waxed great even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. We'll explain these verses in a little detail in just a moment. Yea, uh, he magnified himself to the prince of hosts, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, uh, and the place... Uh, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down, and the host was given him again uh, against, uh, I'm sorry, and, and host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression, and it cast down the truth to the ground, 
and it practiced and prospered. So we see here uh, this man, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, going into Jerusalem, uh, casting down uh, things that were sacred to God concerning the temple. In verse 13, And I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto certain saint which spake, How long shall the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, Unto two thousand three hundred days, which is about six years, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. Now let's be reminded that these things that I just read to you have already come to pass. This has already happened. This was fulfilled in the life of Antiochus Epiphanes. Now it was still future for Daniel. It hadn't happened yet for Daniel as he had this uh, but it has already happened. Now, let's skip over. We're still reading about uh, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes in verse 23. Look at verse 23. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. Now, by the time we get here, we know the angel Gabriel is explaining to Daniel what this vision meant. And so that's what we're reading now. He's, he's uh, uh, explaining what it was. Uh, and it says in verse 24, and in his power, still talking about Antiochus Epiphanes, and in his power uh, shall be mighty, but not by his own power, and he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper in practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people, and through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper, we'll explain all this, uh, in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall destroy many. Notice that, by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes. Uh, very important uh, uh, little phrase there. Uh, in other words, he's standing up against Christ. Uh, but he shall be broken without hands. So he won't, he, won't, uh, you know, he won't prosper the way that he thought. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll be seated. And we'll start tying some things together tonight. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the blessings of life, your love, mercy, your grace. Thank you for each and every one that's here tonight. Father, I pray that you'll bless uh, as we look at some things here. Lord, I know this has been a little different, uh, um, you know, as far as, you know, normal preaching than I do on Sunday night, but I've sure enjoyed this and hope the folks have as well. So, Father, we just pray that you'll speak to our hearts. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. So we're talking... Uh, first of all, about Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, that little horn in Daniel chapter 8. And uh, we read there the vision. We, we read some of it last week. We're, we finished it up just now concerning these two world powers uh, that would come after the Babylonian Empire. Now, at this time, Daniel is having this vision. Uh, the Babylonians are still uh, in uh, control. They're the dominant world power at the time. Uh, we read how the Medo-Persian Empire would conquer the Babylonians, um, and then the Grecian Empire would go on to conquer the Medo-Persian Empire. Now, at Daniel's time, these things haven't happened yet. And we learned last week how that Medo-Persian Empire was the ram with the two horns, uh, representing both the Medes and the Persians. Uh, and then the goat that came across represented the Grecians with the one horn. Alexander the Great, as I explained just a while ago, uh, he would die at a very young age, and the kingdom would be split up amongst his four uh, commanders. And then we focus in on that little horn that came out of those four, uh, and that would be uh, Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, again, uh, these things for us today have already come to pass. They've already happened. History has shown this. 
Uh, as a matter of fact, it would be uh, several centuries after Daniel would die uh, before Antiochus Epiphanes would come to power. Uh, and and uh, uh, certainly uh, these are historical things that, that we know. Now, Antiochus Epiphanes, just like the Antichrist, will, he hated the Jew, and he persecuted them very heavily. Not only does the Bible refer to this, but history itself also reveals that. And we read some of those things in chapter 10, I'm sorry, verse 10, uh, and it's talking about the horn, but Antiochus waxed great even to the host of heaven uh, and cast down some of the host of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. He magnified himself, uh, verse 11, so it goes on and on. Uh, the host of heaven stars, that's a verse that, you know, it somewhat eludes me. It, it makes me kind of think that it's talking about the Antichrist himself. Uh, but many theologians believe it's just in reference to the true followers of the Lord. It doesn't really take anything away. Uh, but we do know that historically he did attack Jerusalem, uh, uh, killing a lot of the men, uh, enslaving women and children. Uh, and by the way, those that escaped that uh, uh, that invasion would later join a man by the name of Judas Maccabeus and his revolt. So, so, so some interesting historical facts uh, that we could tie into this as well. Uh, but we see there that he persecuted them heavily. We read in verse 11 through 12 how he exalted himself uh, as being equal with God. This is something that the Antichrist will do uh, uh, during the tribulation period. Uh, and, of course, his goal was to abolish the Jews' religious system. I mean, he wanted to wipe it completely out. Um, and uh, and uh, he stopped their worship services in the temple, uh, would, would force them, basically, you either worship the Greek god or you die. Those are some familiar things that we read about in the book of Revelations. Uh, he wouldn't allow the Jews to be circumcised. Circumcised, that is. Uh, he would actually build an altar in the temple of God to the false god Zeus and would actually sacrifice a pig on it. Amen. I mean, this guy was, I mean, blasphemous. I mean, he had no respect uh, for the God of heaven uh, and uh, just uh, w- w- tried to destroy, tried to burn all the scriptures that he could find. And so he was certainly anti-God uh, in, in, in a way that uh, isn't equal by any mortal man uh, until that is, that is, until the Antichrist himself comes. Uh, and verse 12 is a very interesting verse. Um, Again, it says, and the host was given him against the day of the sacrifice by reason of transgression. Um, and we always need to understand that a lot of times we make the tribulation period uh, about, you know, uh, some of the things that we may face, even as Americans. But the tribulation period is all about the Jew. It's all about the Jew. Keep your eyes on Jerusalem, folks. Keep your eye on the Jew. That's, that's the important part here. We kind of get uh, sidetracked on some things. Uh, and certainly God was allowing this uh, to the Jew because of the sin, again, that uh, to finish that transgression. And by the way, that transgression will be finished uh, during the tribulation period as far as the Jews getting right uh, with God and accepting Jesus as Nazareth uh, as Savior. Uh, and then verse 13 through 14, uh, dealing with the time period of all this, um, about six years or so that Antiochus Epiphanes persecuted the Jews very heavily. It was a very terrible time uh, in their history. Now, as I said a while ago, we've looked at some things that have come to pass already. These are historical things, some important things. But what we want to do tonight is we want to make some comparisons uh, with uh, Antiochus Epiphanes uh, and the future Antichrist that's going to come during the tribulation period. Uh, and the remainder of the chapter, we read some of it there, 
was the angel Gabriel uh, explaining the, the meaning of the vision that Daniel had uh, there. And then I've had you uh, turn to a couple more places, and we're going to kind of jump back and forth here. Now, we've already studied much of that. I'm, I'm not going to go back over that again. But, but again, we're going to mostly focus on some things that we just read in verses 23 through 25 for the remainder of this lesson and, and see these comparisons between Antiochus, Epiphanes, uh, and the Antichrist. And so uh, we're just going to kind of jump right into this and, and uh, like I said, be going back and forth. I'll try to go, you know, not too fast and, and so you guys can understand some things. I believe it will be a blessing to you. Uh, but we've already mentioned uh, when the transgressors are come to the full, verse 23, and in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors of the time of, are come to the full. Now, this is not talking about the transgressions of, of Jerusalem, of, of the Jew here, but what we're talking about uh, is a time of, of terrible sin uh, in that Jerusalem area. And again, there's going to be some things going on during the tribulation period, some things that, that are anti-God, that are ungodly, immoral. Uh, and of course, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, remember, Alexander the Great has died. And there's, there's a lot of confusion going on, and there's, there's pulls for power, and, and people are trying to you know, take advantage of this situation. Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, history shows that he took advantage of this, and he came to power. Uh, and, and he didn't really do it in a, uh, in a, a dominating way. He just kind of stepped in on the scene, very political, uh, said the right things because of this vacuum that was left by Alexander the Great. Now, we know, too, that the Antichrist is going to do the very same thing. You know, the church is going to be raptured. There's going to be confusion. There's going to be, uh, there's going to be you know, just a, a lot of, you know, we don't really have no way of knowing everything that's going on. Uh, but the world, just like it was in the days of Antiochus Epiphanes, the world is going to be looking for somebody to bring all this together and to get things figured out. And so, again, we see this, uh, uh, this, th- this comparison and so again, they both come on the scene when sin uh, as is at its highest. And uh, we read read there in chapter verse twenty three. Let's read it again, Daniel eight twenty three. In letter t- in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And he's going to say, "Here, I got the answer. Here's what we need to do." And that's exactly what he did. Now we read of something similar concerning the Antichrist back in uh, 2 Thessalonians. So turn there, 2 Thessalonians, and we'll be turning back and forth between these, uh, so so keep your place hid there. Uh, But 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse 3, notice what it says. It says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day, we're talking about the tribulation, that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and then that man of sin be revealed the son of perdition. Uh, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, he steps onto the scene. When everything's bad, the Antichrist is going to do the same thing. He's going to step onto the scene. Very, very telling here. Uh, we also read that uh, same thing in the book of Revelations. Keep your place there, your other places as well. Uh, Revelations chapter 13, uh, beginning uh, or just looking at verse 2. So Revelations chapter 13, verse 2. And the beast, uh, this is the Antichrist, which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet uh, was the feet of a bear, and his mouth was the mouth of a lion. We've talked about those different animals already. Now notice what it says, and the dragon, that is the devil. The dragon gave him his power and his seat uh, and great uh, authority. 
And so again, these, these, the Antichrist comes on the scene. Uh, he's uh, uh, just like uh, Antiochus Epiphanes as well. So number one, both come on the scene when sin's at its highest. Number two, uh, they're powerful, but not from their own ability. Uh, and, and this is pretty significant as well. Look at verse 24. Uh, back in Daniel chapter 8, verse 24. hope this isn't too confusing. I'm trying to you know, just keep this all together here. But Daniel chapter 8, verse 24, talking about Antiochus again. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. Now this is very telling, because this is just a human being. Uh, and he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper in practice. They shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. But notice there, it's not by his, uh, his own power. Uh, and this reveals uh, to us here uh, one of the few cases that I think that we have factual evidence of demonic possession by the devil himself even. I, you know, the Scripture doesn't say that right there, but understanding that the Antichrist will certainly be possessed by the devil, I have reason to believe that we have this man that was possessed by the devil himself. In other words, it wasn't by his own power, but it was by the power of Satan himself. That's pretty scary, isn't it? I mean, I tell you what, this is pretty, this is pretty amazing stuff when, when you stop and think about it. So we read about Antiochus there in verse 24 of Daniel chapter 8. Let's go back to 2 Thessalonians again, uh, chapter 2, and we'll read something similar about the Antichrist as well. Uh, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, even him whose coming is after the working of, who is it? Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. Both these men were demon-possessed. We know for sure uh, that uh, the Antichrist is possessed uh, by Satan himself, and I have reason to believe that Antiochus uh, Epiphanes was uh, as well. Uh, And so again, and we just read a while ago, even in uh, Revelation 13, you don't have to read it again, but the dragon gives the Antichrist his, his great authority. So number one, they come on the scene when sin is at its highest. Number two... They're powerful, but not from their own ability. This is certainly uh, the work of Satan. Number three, uh, causing widespread destruction. In other words, we understand if you study the Antichrist, he doesn't come on the scene uh, uh, destroying right off the bat, but later on he would. Uh, I believe the same thing happened with Antiochus Epiphanes as well. Uh, Look at verse 24 again in Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8, verse 24. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. We've looked at that. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper in practice, and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. And again, this is uh, uh, something that, 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 that kind of just it evolves as, as he gets more and more power. And that's what that word practice means. It means that he's thriving. He's continuing to move forward. He's taking care of, of the agenda of the devil. And so we see that in Daniel chapter 8, verse 24, we go back to the book of Revelations. We see something very similar to that out of the Antichrist. Revelations chapter 13, verse 7. Revelations chapter 13, verse 7. It was given unto him to make war with the saints. Notice the similarities. Uh, make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds, tongues, uh, and nations. And so just some very, very revealing stuff here. Very uh, interesting stuff. Terrifying stuff, but interesting stuff. So we see the widespread destruction. We also see uh, dedicated to the destruction of God's people. Um, verse 24 in Daniel chapter 8 again. Let's look at that again. Uh, we see there, his power shall be mighty, not by his own power. He shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper in practice 
and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. That is God's people. Uh, I believe that's a direct reference uh, to uh, the Jew himself. Uh, and again, uh, this is, uh, uh, you know, we know that the devil certainly, you know, hates the Jew, uh, but he hates anybody that belongs to God. <laughs> and so uh, certainly, you know, some things there to think about. But this is in reference to the Jew. Now we're going to go to the book of Daniel chapter 7. Let's go to the book of Daniel chapter 7 and read some things about the Antichrist that is still yet to come. Daniel chapter 7, some familiar things. Verse 21, And I beheld the same horn, the little horn of Daniel 7, which is the Antichrist, made war with the saints and prevailed against them. We know for a time um, that uh, those things are going to happen. Verse 25, um, And he shall speak great words against the Most High, that is God, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Uh, And it goes on to explain some other things uh, as well. Uh, But again, we see this direct attack uh, by Antiochus Epiphanes in in Daniel chapter 8 to the Jew. We see this direct attack from the Antichrist uh, to the Jew uh, in, uh, in the future. And uh, so again, very, uh, very telling. Um, we've already read Revelation 13:7, but it mentions the, the same thing uh, as well, and also Revelations 13:15 uh, uh, tells us basically the same thing as Daniel chapter seven. So he's dedicated to the destruction of God's people um, using deceit. Let's go back to Daniel chapter eight. Daniel chapter eight. Let's look at that word craft. Now we're into verse 25. And through his policy, uh, also, he shall use craft to prosper in his hand. Uh, this was something that Antiochus Epiphanes did, and craft just simply means deceit. You know, he lied, he used deceit in order to gain the power that he had. Uh, and again, this is something exactly that the, uh, uh, the Antichrist uh, during the tribulation period will do. Let's go to Second Thessalonians <clears throat> chapter 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning with verse 9. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 9. Even him, we're talking about the Antichrist, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness, see it right there, of unrighteousness in them that perish because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. This is one of those verses that make me tremble a little bit, by the way. For those that don't get saved in this uh, era of grace that you and I live in, um, I think that a a argument could be made that if you don't accept Christ uh, when presented with the gospel on this side of you, you know, right now, and the tribulation period come, uh, you won't get saved. There's some that really believe that, and I believe that there's a strong argument for that, especially with verse 11. And for this cause, just what I explained, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And it makes sense. I mean, if you can't get saved right now, you know, with the church age that you and I live in, and you keep rejecting the truth, what makes you think you're going to get saved when all this truth is gone? And now you're going to be prime to follow the Antichrist. You say, no, I won't. Yes, you will. Hey, when you're hungry, and you never had any spiritual growth in your life, all you know is how to live for the world, those hunger pains start kicking in. You ain't got no place to go. And you're, you're running for your life. You're going to latch on to the first thing that looks good. Amen. Amen. Hey, we, hey, I'll tell you what, guys. Playing games with God is a very, very dangerous thing to do. It's also a stupid thing to do. 
Verse 12, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Again, there's some passages of Scripture that make me tremble uh, uh, somewhat. Uh, not for me, I'm saved. I don't have to worry about that. Uh, but we see there uh, this deceit, how uh, the Antichrist uses it. Let's, let's talk about this a little bit more. Go back to Revelations chapter 13. Revelations chapter 13, as we talk more about uh, the deceit of the Antichrist and bringing strong delusion and those types of things. Uh, we've already read one of these, but we'll read it again. Uh, Revelations 13 verse 4 uh, tells us, And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? I mean, they're worshipping him as, as God. Uh, in verse 14, we see the same thing. And deceiveth them, talking about the Antichrist, and deceiveth them that dwell on the earth by the means of those miracles. And, you know, we could talk a lot about some things here about there, but, but uh, the, the miracles uh, he had power to do in the sight of the beast, saying to them that dwell on the earth that they should make an image to the beast uh, which had a wound by a sword and did live. But we see there that the you know because of these miracles and things that happen, they are worshiping uh, uh, the Antichrist and even the beast. Uh, you know what? We're in Revelations. Let's go back to chapter 19. There's also another reference to this as well, uh, just so we understand the significance of all of this. Uh, hey, listen, if you're not saved tonight, this, this ought to be of great concern to you. Uh, Revelations chapter 9, verse, t- verse 20. Now, we read about the ultimate end of the not only the devil, but the Antichrist. It says, And the beast was taken, and with him the false prophet, that what? That wrought miracles before him, uh, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. And it goes on to say, and worshipped him. And so we see here this uh, a big part of the Antichrist will be his ability to deceive people, give them strong delusion, as explained in Second Thessalonians. Hey, listen, if you're not saved tonight, you need to get saved. You need to get saved. I'm, I'm telling you, don't play games uh, with, with God on this. Uh, so we see using deceit. Number six, using, uh, I'm sorry, exalting themselves above all others. We read in, go back to Daniel chapter 8. Daniel chapter 8, verse 25. Uh, and through his policy also he shall cause, uh, shall cause craft to prosper in his hand and he shall magnify himself in his heart. And again, these are some things that, that certainly uh, happen. Uh, very prideful, demanding recognition to be worshipped as God. We see that there with Antiochus Epiphanes, but we also see it with uh, the Antichrist as well. Uh, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. Just go back a page or so, you'll see it. Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. And uh, another vision that Daniel had, remember uh, the uh, beast with uh, ten horns? He said, I considered the horns, uh, and behold, there came up one among them, another little horn, that is the Antichrist, before whom uh, there were three of the first horns. We explained all this in this lesson already, plucked up by the roots. And, uh, uh, and behold, in his horn were eyes like the eyes of man. Now notice what it says, and a mouth speaking great Things, in other words, he was speaking some great things about himself. Uh, uh, very, very concerning. Uh, verse eleven, <clears throat> and beheld I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain uh, and his body destroyed and given to the burning of flame. We know that he he ends, you know, it doesn't end well with him. Uh, but again, the great words. Notice that phrase there. Uh, the great words that were spoken. 
uh, verse 20, uh, Daniel 7, 20, uh, and of the ten horns that were in his head, uh, and of the other which came up and before whom three fell, uh, even that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, uh, whose look was more stout uh, than uh, his fellows. All these things where he's magnifying himself, and probably no other verse explains it better than Daniel 7.25. Again, the Antichrist, he shall speak great, great words against the Most High uh, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. Uh, and again, he, he wants to be worshipped uh, uh, as God. Second uh, Thessalonians, let's go back there again. Second Thessalonians chapter two verse four. Second Thessalonians chapter two verse four. Uh, still talking about the Antichrist, wanting to be worshipped as God, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or the, all or that is worshipped, so that he as God setteth in the temple of God. Remember Antiochus Epiphanes. You know he set up Zeus in there, and so we have the Antichrist himself sitting in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Of course he is not God. Amen? Certainly not God. Um, Revelations uh, 13. Let's go to Revelations 13, 5. Revelations chapter 13, verse 5. Still talking about the um, uh, Antichrist. And there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies. And power was given unto him uh, to continue uh, 40 and 2 months. We know that's referring to those last three and a half years of the tribulation, also known as the Great Tribulation. So we see him exalting himself above all others. Uh, let's look at another one. Peace, then destruction. I've already mentioned this already, but I think it's an important aspect to remember. Uh, again, the, uh, the, the, it's going to be just right for somebody to step in and, and be calm about things, and it's really going to draw a lot of people uh, to the Antichrist. Uh, but Daniel chapter 8, again back to verse 25, uh, we see there through his policy, uh, also, uh, he shall uh, use craft, uh, you know, deceitfulness in his hand, shall magnify himself. Um, he shall also stand up against the, the uh, prince of pieces, uh, but he's prince of princes, I'm sorry, but he shall be broken without hand. But again, we see that he has this, this, this policy. In other words, he's, he's using some words here. He's being very political uh, in the beginning. Uh, they make promises. The, certainly the Antichrist makes promises of peace and prosperity, yet after they gain power, you know, then they begin to unleash the power, uh, the uh, destruction on, on many. So there's peace and destruction. Um, uh, there's a, Actually, there's a passage in 1 Thessalonians. Let's turn there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, that alludes to that as well. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, not 2, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, uh, verse 3, for when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Um, I believe that that's referring to some things that will happen uh, during the tribulation period uh, and the beast. Daniel chapter 9, we haven't got to Daniel chapter 9, but verse 27, also explaining some things about the Antichrist. And he shall con- confirm the covenant with many for one week. Now, that one week is very important. That one week represents the tribulation period, that seven-year tribulation period. Uh, so he confirms a covenant with the people. In other words, he's, he's using peace. Everything is fine. We also learn from other scriptures that, hey, they're going to the, build the Jewish temple back up on the Temple Mount. And everybody's going to clap and go, oh, he's a great man. 
He's finally done something we've been trying to do for, for hundreds of years, and that's bring peace to the Middle East. Uh, and this man has finally done it. There's a temple there. And he's going to let them have their sacrifices and worship God Jehovah just like they did back in the day. And they're going to be doing their sacrifices, and everybody's going to be excited until that last three and a half years. And then he's going to set himself up to be God. But he does it first with peace. Verse 27 again, He shall confirm the covenant with many for one week, and in the midst of that week, three and a half, three and a half years of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Uh, and for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. So it does, he starts out with peace, uh, but ends uh, with, uh, with destruction. We also have read there a couple of times already in Daniel chapter 8, uh, verse 25 concerning uh, Antiochus Epiphanes uh, blaspheming the Lord. He stands up against the Prince of Peace. In other words, he's directly uh, disobeying God, standing up against God. Certainly the Antichrist himself will do that as well. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. We're almost done, so bear with me. Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. Uh, and he shall speak great words against the Most High. You know, just imagine. Just imagine that. Uh, also, Daniel chapter 11, verse 36, we also read the same thing. Daniel chapter 11, verse 36, it says, uh, And some of them of understanding shall fall uh, to, uh, to try them and to purge and to make them uh, white, uh, even unto the time of the end, because, ah, that's not what I wanted. Don't you hate it when you do that? Sometimes I do that. I can't remember which one it is. Oh, it's 36, 36, not 35. Okay, I was right. I just wasn't reading the right thing. Uh, I was like, man, I know that's right. Uh, Daniel chapter 11, verse 36. So we'll start over. And the king shall do according to his will. Talking about the Antichrist. And he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak marvelous things against the god of gods and shall prosper uh, till the indignation be accomplished uh, for that is determined shall be done. So some similar uh, wordage there as we just read in Daniel uh, chapter 7 uh, as well. And so we see here this blaspheming of God. We read about it already in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We've also read about it in Revelation chapter 13 as well already. We're not going to read those scriptures again. But we see uh, the uh, comparisons here of what Antiochus Epiphanes has done and what the Antichrist will do. Uh, and then we see for the last part is really the, the part where we can rejoice is they're both destroyed by God. Amen. You know, uh, the Bible says there, let's look at it again, Daniel chapter 8 concerning the, uh, 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 Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, it says there again with verse 25 toward the end, notice what it says, but he shall be broken without hand. In other words, that means not by human power. Antiochus Epiphanes, he wasn't killed in battle. He wasn't overran with somebody else. Uh, history says that he died of some type of disease. I just believe God just went ahead and took him on out personally. That's what I believe. Now, we know in similar-like fashion, the same thing is going to happen uh, to the Antichrist. So let's go to 2 Thessalonians one last time. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Notice what it says, and we can rejoice in this, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth. Amen. I mean, he don't, God doesn't even have to 
do nothing. He just speaks it, and he shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. I mean, he just, you know, you know, just <laughs> amen. Aren't you glad you're on the winning side tonight? Revelations 19, then we'll be done. Revelations 19, again, we see God destroying the Antichrist, verses uh, 19 and 20. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. We're talking about here the battle of Armageddon. And the beast was taken. Uh, And with him, the false prophet, we haven't talked about the false prophet, uh, that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive in the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. Listen to all this. As I go back to what I've mentioned during this and even before, is that... uh, If you're not saved, you need to be saved. You're on the losing team. And it's a loss that is guaranteed. Daniel looked ahead to, he didn't know his name like we do, but this man, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, hadn't happened yet, but he looked ahead, he knew that he would die, and he did. He was destroyed. And the Jews still here, by the way. We look ahead in time, God says there's another one coming. He's going to make uh, Antiochus Epiphanes look like a Boy Scout, but there's another one coming. And he'll be gone too. Hey, listen. (laughs) You need to be on the right side. (laughs) You need to be on the side of Christ. You need to be saved, amen? Uh, And again, if you're in Christ, you win. You win. And I know sometimes it doesn't seem like we're winning as believers, right? But we win. We win. And we can praise the Lord for that. Again, uh, Antiochus Epiphanes is long gone. The Jew is still here. The Antichrist, too, will, uh, uh, will uh, you know, he will be beaten. He will cease to exist. And by the way, there will come a time when the devil himself will cease to exist. Hallelujah. Amen. And so again, I I know these were a lot of scriptures, but I think it's necessary that we get this drilled into our head and see for ourselves. This isn't just something preacher talks about, but we have tons of scripture that we look. Well, I wouldn't say tons. We looked at several verses tonight, uh, showing that God has all this played out, has it all worked out for us. Uh, And one of these days, uh, all the evil of this world will be put down for eternity. And we're going to live with Jesus Christ forever. <laughs> amen, amen, and amen. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. All right. Let's all stand and we'll have our pianists come and maybe you just want to come and pray about some things. I know sometimes when I study things like this, it it uh, causes a whole bunch of emotions. On one hand, I'm excited uh, to know uh, when I read about these things that I'll be in heaven, that I'll miss these things. But there's also a part of me that has loved ones and, and family, you know, friends that, that need to be saved. We talk about that passage in 2 Thessalonians that indicates that, that hey, if they're, they're not saved, uh, you know, before 
the tribulation comes, there's a certainly, arguably, we could say there's a huge chance they won't get saved after, and maybe not any chance. And so, certainly, we should come and pray tonight. Uh, on one hand, yes, we we don't dread the coming of Christ. We don't dread these things ourselves that we read about these awful things because if you're saved, you won't go through these things. You won't face these things. You understand what I'm saying? But if you're not saved tonight, and the eastern sky could split, listen to me, the eastern sky could split any second now. There is nothing, let me say it again, nothing biblically left to happen for Christ to rapture His church. You're playing a very, very dangerous game if you're not saved tonight. You're playing with the destiny of your soul. So please, if you need to be saved, tonight's tonight. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the truth of the Word of God. And Lord, I know that, uh, again, a little different uh, type of message that I usually bring. But I thought it was necessary to just take a little time as a church family and flip through our pages and see, Lord, that these things are serious. Lord, sometimes we get all bogged down and in, in things, Lord, that, that just really don't matter and get all upset about things, uh, silly things, uh, when we realize that there is a day of reckoning coming. And so, Father, help us to have a heart for souls, for the lost. Uh, Father, uh, help us to certainly have a, a spirit of praise and adoration for what you saved us from. So many things, Lord, that we could take away from this tonight. Father, help us not to leave here with any any unfinished business. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen.